Hi, everybody. Welcome to Curly Girlies Cracking the Kid Code with Atara and Grace. I am Atara, founder of the Curly Girl Movement, author of the Curly Girly book series, and owner of curlygirly.com, spelled with two E's at the end of curly and two E's at the end of girly. And I'm here with my amazing co-host and good friend, Grace Cross. Hi, Grace. How are you? I'm doing great, Atara. How are you? Good. Well, everybody, I'm Grace Cross. I'm the owner of The Baby Spot, the only global parenting magazine. And you can find me at thebabyspot.ca. Now we have such a great guest filled with wisdom with us today. Atara, who do we have? So Grace, audience, I'm really happy to welcome Susan Guthrie to our podcast. Susan is a nationally recognized family law and mediation attorney and has been helping individuals and families navigate separation and divorce for 30 years. Susan provides online divorce mediation and legal coaching services to select clients around the world. As a leading dispute resolution professional, Susan is honored to serve on the Executive Council of the American Bar Association Section of Dispute Resolution. Susan is also a co-chair of the Mediation Committee. Susan is also the host of her own podcast called the Divorce and Beyond Podcast. Divorce and Beyond is focused on pulling back the curtain on the mysteries of the divorce process and bringing tips and resources to help people to thrive and shine in their new future beyond divorce. Susan has been featured in many renowned media outlets, including CNBC, Forbes, Thrive Global, to name just a few of the places that you can find Susan. Welcome, Susan. I am so happy to have you here today. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much, Grace and Atara. I'm really happy to be here with you today. We're happy to have you, Susan. We have so much to talk about, don't we, Atara? She's we really do. We do of knowledge. Yeah, you really are. You've been doing this for a long time, and you've been doing it well for a long time, and I'm sure it's evolved um, quite a bit over the last 30 years. But we're really particularly happy to have you because, you know, we are primarily a parenting podcast. We have a lot of listeners who are single moms and dads and they're divorced. And I think that navigating this terrain with children can be really especially difficult. So I really want to start at the beginning. Like if you and your spouse have made the decision to divorce, how do you break the news to your children? Yeah, this is a great place to start because this is really where moms and dads um, and parents often find the first really big stumbling block when it comes to facing divorce. Um, You know, once they have made the decision to you know, move forward with a divorce, it does become a question of how do we tell the children because things are obviously going to change, but to do it in a sensitive way. And unfortunately, because this whole process is so emotional and can be fraught with so much negative emotion, it's very often handled poorly. Um, And that can start the whole process off in a, in a very negative way for the kids. So, you know, I, I love, you mentioned, I have been doing this for a long time. I always hate to mention the 30 years that I have been doing it because it makes me feel very old, but I have been lucky enough as a divorce attorney to work with some really amazing family therapists along the way. And they have given some great tips about how parents should approach this conversation with their kids. Um, So just to highlight a couple of things is the very 
most probably the most important thing is that mom and dad or mom and mom and dad and dad, but that they approach this as a, a united front with their children. So often one parent will decide that they're just going to tell the kids. And that really starts the whole process off on the wrong footing because now their kids are only hearing it from one parent. They don't, they, they already see that mom and dad are not on the same page. Um, and it's not really fair if you think about it to the parent who wasn't a participant in that conversation. Um, and the other thing that therapists have always, always told me is that it's very important that you, you know, you let the kids know that this is happening, that they, you know, it's not their fault and they don't have anything to do with it and that they don't need to worry because mom and dad or the parents, they are going to figure out what needs to be figured out. But all the kids need to know is that both of them love them and that they are going to figure it out. Right. And that life, I guess, will carry on for them as usual. Um, so that they don't have any fear of, okay, what comes next? Like, let yeah, them know. you know, right? exactly. Because that's exactly, you know, it brings up fear for us as adults. Divorce right. is, I would say the predominant emotion people feel around fear besides anger and hurt is, is, you know, fear. And right. certainly if we feel it, how imagine how children feel. So if mom and dad present that united front and they present the calm, you know, this is best for the family. We still love you. We're still going to be a family, just a different, you know, it's going to have a different makeup that starts this off for the kids without that, you know, sense of fear that I think for little children, especially security is so important. And if you insert fear into their, their paradigm, it's, you know, it's incredibly destructive. Yeah. You know, I want to say, um, I think another thing to make sure not to do is to avoid secrecy around it, um, to not turn the divorce into, oh, it's a secret. Um, you know, the other day, my young daughter came home and said, oh, mommy, one of my friend's parents is getting divorced, but she told me not to tell anyone. It's a big secret. Oh. And I said, wow. So, how, how do you think your friend felt? And she said, she seemed to feel really sad. And I thought, well, there's something that even adds a, a greater layer of sadness when you feel like you can't tell anyone, when your parents have turned it into something shameful, because that's what a secret is usually, right? It's, it's yeah. we're ashamed of it. So I think taking that away and um, telling your children there's nothing to be embarrassed about, nobody did anything wrong, we're still a family, even if we're not together, don't be embarrassed. We're not keeping this secret. I think that's probably something important. Would you agree? Uh, absolutely. And you used the word that, you know, is so mired in divorce, shame. You know, there is that sense of failure and a sense of shame around divorce that honestly, you know, this is one of my passions is I'm trying to help change that that stigma around this process because it only makes a difficult, you know, situation worse and it's not shameful. It is, you know, something that maybe were, you know, a relationship that worked and then it didn't. And, you know, as long, I think what's shameful is when people approach it 
in that destructive manner yes. and tear the family apart, hurt their children and behave poorly, which so many people do during divorce. Right. If you approach it well, and right. you support your children and your family in this restructuring, there's nothing shameful in that. Um, and so definitely, I, I think making your children feel that this is a failure of family or that their parents have failed in some way, what, what are you modeling for them? What are you telling them? So I, wonderful point, Atara. I really yes. think that's important. Right. It's so important. And what I'm finding is, you know, with shame comes a lot of anger between the parents. They're angry that maybe they have been cheated on or maybe that it didn't work out. So what is some of your top tips for uh, parents or to ex-spouses to navigate with one another, get over or get, sorry, not get over, but get through some of these feelings and start to navigate this divorce in a more healthy manner. Yeah, you know, that's a very important aspect because, you know, again, having done this for so long, there's almost always a great deal of negative emotion and that can certainly carry over into how the parents treat each other. Um, and again, you know, your children, children are much, much smarter than we think they are in many cases and they pick up current and, and understand you know, those vibes, even if you're not actively fighting or screaming at each other in front of each other, you know, the snide little comments that right. parents make about each other, the, you know, the over-involvement that many parents will do by involving the children in the, you know, aspects of the divorce. Oh, do you want to go to daddy's today or wouldn't you rather stay here with mommy or, you know, there's so many subtle ways that this can insert itself. And I always tell my clients that, you know, yes, your spouse may have been a bad husband or wife. They may not have in the end been, um, you know, an upstanding partner, but they are still a co-parent. They are still your children's 50% of your children's DNA, they're still loved by your children. So you have to start looking at your relationship with your co-parent as a business relationship. Take that personal emotion out of it and start just looking at it as you two are now business partners in the business of growing wonderful, happy, healthy children. Yeah. And, and you know, that's such a good point. And, um, on that same vein, I read somewhere that when you criticize your spouse, you're criticizing your child. And right, that's something really powerful to remember because your child comes from that parent and like you said, shares DNA with them. So that needs to be avoided, you know, the criticism at all costs, because then the child is looking at themselves and saying, oh, mommy said I was like daddy in a negative way. <laughs> and yes. right. And that's yes. really not healthy. It's really I, I'm it, such a good point. It's one of those things that when you make it difficult for your child to love their other parent, you create a situation where your child lacks security. Right. They do not have the ability to love and care for both of their parents. Um, it's not a contest between mom and dad or between the parents. And so often that's the the emotional content that the parents bring to it. And again, it can be fear-driven for the parents. You know, my children are going to be taken away from me. Someone is going to usurp my place in their life if there's a new significant other. And so it can be very fear-based, but 
I'm sorry, but we are the grownups here. And you, you know, you are the parent. You have to put your feelings aside. This is not about you. This is not about the hurt you might feel right. or the fear you might feel. You need to give your children security. And part of that is that it is perfectly okay and that you want them to love their other parent as well. Yeah, I think that's so well said. Don't you agree, Grace? Oh, absolutely. It's so powerful because we give permission for our children to continue loving both of us and both sides of the family, despite whatever conflict had happened throughout this marriage. And so it, this is a tough question, but what is the biggest mistake that you've seen parents make as you are a divorce attorney when it comes to their kids? Like what is the number one thing that parents have to look out for no matter how much emotion and pain is involved in their divorce? Yeah, I think the thing that is as a professional has been hardest to watch um, and has been most destructive for families and children that I have seen people do is what I call weaponizing the children. And it sort of alludes back to what we were just talking about, but uh, to take it a bit further, you know, so you have a couple going through a divorce and they are angry with each other or hurt or whatever those emotions might be. And so they are looking to inflict pain or cause some sort of trauma to the other party. And what is the, where is everyone's most vulnerable point? It is their children, their love for their children. So in a very easy way, and how often have you, you know, heard this on, you know, in a movie or on a TV show, you know, you'll never see your kids again. Oh, I'm taking the, the kids, right? right. Yes. Right. And, and the sad part is that actually happens in real life. It's not just a movie. I've seen and heard my own clients say it, and it's been said to clients of mine in the past. Wow. And that, you know, putting the children in between the two of you and using them as a weapon to hurt your other, the other party, to use them as a way to, you know, pulling on them and I want them with me all the time and demonizing the other parent because they weren't a good spouse doesn't mean they weren't a good parent, but because, you know, um, that is by far the most harmful thing I have seen people do. And sadly, it's very, very common. Wow. It's too common, I think. But on the other side of things, we're starting to see new parenting plans develop that we might not have seen 10, 20, 30 years ago. I know of some cases personally where families continue to share the marital home and there's an extra apartment building for the parent that is not exercising their custody at that moment. So the children continue to live in the house and the parents are the ones that rotate the home. And this is just one of the many different parenting plans I'm seeing being exercised today. Can you talk about how parenting plans have basically gone through an evolution over the last 20 years and maybe highlight some of the ideas that uh, parents who are unfortunately going through a divorce can expect that they can make the parenting plan work for their family. It doesn't have to be this cookie cutter idea anymore. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's very, very true. And certainly, you know, when I started practicing law so many years ago, you still saw what I would call the very traditional parenting plan where mom would have the kids or the stay at home parent. And at that time, it was very often mom um, would stay would have the children the majority of the time and dad would have and I'm going to use the antiquated term 
visitation with his children every other weekend and maybe one night during the week for dinner. And that was considered a really standardized plan. And unless there were some special circumstances, that was almost always what we saw. And, you know, that really did just the term visitation kind of minimizes that parent's role in their children's lives, right? You don't visit with your own children. Right, right. The relationship just takes on a different tone, I think, when you're using that term. Exactly. You know, so we dropped, uh, or at least in the states in which I practice, Connecticut and California, we dropped that term quite a long time ago. We, we, for the most part, call it parenting time, and we call it a parenting plan that we're, we're scheduling where the children are. And Grace, that, that um, nesting situation that you were just talking about, where the kids stay in the house and mom and dad rotate in and out, is a relatively new. I would say within the past 10 years, that's been coming up in popularity. Um, I will say that my personal experience with it through clients has been that it, it is often a soft launching pad for the changing family dynamic as the divorce is going on. Yes. Okay. Very interesting. It's a nice maybe way to start out uh, because it gives the children the security of their home and then the parents are the ones doing the back and forth. Um, it, it does present problems, um, because mom and dad don't have a lot of privacy, uh, right? You know, they're sharing two residences now in many cases, unless one of them has a family member to go stay with, but it's very disruptive to their lives. So I would say over a long period of time, I've not seen it be that successful, but what has evolved in parenting plans is that we much more often, almost by net at this point, it's the default that you would see what I would call shared physical custody or shared parenting time. You know, and that's really that's in that realm of the children will spend roughly equal amounts of time in both parents' households. Um, it doesn't need to necessarily be. 50-50 by the hour, um, but we see things called 223 plans or 225 plans, where, um, as an example of a 225, the kids would be with mom every Monday and Tuesday, they would be with dad every Wednesday and Thursday, and then the parents would rotate the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So that would ultimately be the five days. So if you know, it would be the backup to mom's Monday or dad's Thursday. And that's a very popular plan, especially with children that are a little bit older, with younger children where it's a good idea that they have more frequent contact with their parents. You usually would see that but in a, a 223 um, fashion instead of a 225. But yes, it's now the default is much more that shared plan rather than that very time intensive for one parent and almost, you know, every other weekend visitor uh, for the other parent. So that's a positive, I think. Children, the theory behind it is that children do best when they have equal input from their parents. Right. You know, we both know um, Gabrielle Hartley, who's the author of uh, Better Apart. Yes. She actually, you know, years ago, 30 years ago, her parents actually implemented you know, without calling it anything, but just where she actually lived equal time. I think they lived down the street from one another and she rotated homes and you know what? It worked out great. And she is close with both of them and the families are still integrated. You know, I met her many years later and remember being invited to parties where both 
her parents were there um, with significant others and everybody was fine and everyone was getting along. So I think there's a lot to be said for um, being able to make that work because ultimately your children will not suffer. And that is the goal. Um, so I think that's great. Now, is there um, a new move toward mediating rather than litigating divorces? Are you seeing that? I, I have definitely seen a trend toward mediation for family law cases in, especially I would say in the past 10 years. Um, because if you think about it, the what, what I'll call the traditional litigation model where both parents lawyer up and they fight it out in a courtroom and judges make decisions about their lives or everything is very, you know, adversarial. That's not really a very good platform for, you know, successfully and positively restructuring your family. It becomes about winning and losing in that, that sort of paradigm where you are fighting for time with your children and you know it's all about making the other parent look bad. So mediation is a much better format because one the parents are the ones making all of the decisions. You know in mediation there's no, the mediator is not there to tell everyone what to do. They're not like a quasi judge. They're there to help the parents craft that new parenting plan in a way that works best for the whole family, but with a primary focus on the best interests of children, which should always be the focus, not winning and losing. Children are not a prize. You know, they're not something to fight over and the, the spoils go to the victor. Um, this is, we are talking about their childhood, their upbringing, their security, their well-being, and how decisions will be made about all of that. And really sitting down, and I'll use the phrase again, like grown-ups, and having a grown-up conversation and making agreements about how to co-raise your children um, is what mediation is all about. So I do think it's probably the most successful method. And, and just as a plus that comes out of it, by sitting down and learning how to talk to each other in a mediation session or mediation sessions with a trained facilitator, it's also helping the parents to start learning a new way to communicate with each other that hopefully will be successful as they go forward. Because, you know, you, you end your divorce but you still are going to be co-parents for the rest of your lives. Oh, yes. So true. People think it ends at 18 and it doesn't. Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> we have 22-year-old triplets. My husband was, they, they were five when I met my husband and oh, they're wow. 22 now. Let me tell you, 22, they're still, you know, they're still your kids and they That's always right. will be. They're starting off. They're making mistakes. They're needing guidance. They may choose to get married. You're going to see that ex at that wedding. You're going to of see course. them when, if you, they choose to have children and you have your first grandchild and then raising that grandchild, you become a part of that beautiful parenting community. So, you know, what's interesting about um, mediation and of course, running this like a business to co-raise this happy, healthy child. A lot of this is mental health. Now, this is something that I've always focused on when we break our legs we go see a doctor, we get a cast. But if we're having a very traumatic situation happening into our life, sometimes and often not, we do not see a therapist, someone mm -hmm. to help us out. How important is making sure you have good mental health throughout your divorce? 
I would say it's it's actually an imperative. Um, one yes. of the things that I have always in my practice when I was doing, you know, represented work as a divorce litigator, as a mediator now, I always suggest to clients that even if they have not been in therapy at any other point in their lives, even if they don't believe in it, they consider it as they go through a divorce because divorce is one of those times in life, as we've talked about here, where you generally will become emotionally hijacked. Your emotions are going to take over your rational brain and you are going to start making decisions based upon negative emotions. I mean, they're not happy and joyful when they're going through this process. So your negative emotions will drive your decision-making. And that is the worst place to be making decisions, both about your children, as we're talking about here, but also about your finances, which are an important part of moving forward after divorce. So you need to get a handle on your emotional content, on your emotional state, and using your divorce attorney or using your mediator or your best friend. I mean, yes, definitely cry on your best friend's shoulder. Yes, yes. But unless you have a best friend who has a, you know, a MFT or, uh, <laughs> or you know, some, a psychology degree, they honestly, they will support you, but they don't know how to help you necessarily. And your divorce attorney, yes, we went to law school. We have, I've listened and I, as I mentioned at the top of this episode, I've had a wonderful opportunities to gain knowledge from some of the top therapists and, and family law specialists in the world. But you should get someone who can, you know, for that hour once a week or whatever you need is there to listen to your problems and help you work through them so that when you then go out and sit with your mediator or work through your divorce or even talk to your, you know, soon to be ex-spouse, you can make rational and appropriate decisions that are not influenced to the best of your ability anyway, oh. by all that negativity that's going on. And I love that so much because it just highlights good mental health throughout a divorce. It's so difficult, isn't it, Atara, for oh, these families? It really, it really is. You know, I, I think everything you're saying is so important and I'm taking heed. I hope our audience members are, you know, just to be a healthy parent, whether or not in the divorce arena. And that just requires a lot of thought, I think, in what we do. So yes. I think that's always important to remember. I don't want to let the time go, though, without asking you, Susan, if you've seen the movie The Marriage Story. Yes. Right? Because <laughs> I have to say, that was like, when I saw that, you know, it was just what struck me most. I wonder if, if you both had the same feelings, was really that this divorce did not need to go in this direction at all. And it was very much lawyer-driven um, by, by the attorney for... Um, I forget her name, Adam Driver. Scarlett, yeah, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, character, yeah. yes. Right, yeah. like she was prepared and ready to do this nicely, amicably, as she should have. And almost it seemed to me that they didn't, in the beginning, I wasn't even sure if they were going to get divorced. And I felt like if she had had on the other side a best friend or good therapist saying, hey, try to work this through, it could have gone in a different direction. But her lawyer really took over and turned it um, very acrimonious. So I'm wondering what your thoughts on that movie were. 
Yeah, I have to say, uh, so I didn't watch it for a long time because as a 30-year divorce attorney, yes. <laughs> I, I was like, I do not need to spend two hours and 15 minutes watching another divorce, but I'm actually doing um, an episode on my podcast about it. And so I, I specifically, I, there's a professor I know at a law school who's turning the movie into a course for her divorce because she thinks it's so educational. And I have to say, I very much felt the way you did. I walked away, actually, I'll use the word angry um, about that movie because angry in the way that, because I, 100%, I do not think any divorce has to go that way. And I felt like it displayed what I know can happen in my profession that the attorneys, one, I, I feel personalized it at least the character played by Laura Dern, bringing her own personal divorce and experience into the clients, you know, just felt incredibly inappropriate, but I've seen it done. Um, and the fact that a case that the parties wanted to be amicable got hijacked, I'll use your word, which was great. That just, that, I've seen it. I've seen it so many times. The other thing that I think they got wrong, and I felt th this is probably where I felt the movie is somewhat damaging, is that they portrayed mediation very briefly and very poorly. Um, th that whole process did not come off well. Um, and, and as someone who practices and is a, a mediator in my day-to-day -day life, um, I was upset that it was portrayed that way because the movie is getting so much attention it had an opportunity to point out that here's the the problem litigation and trying to litigate family law cases and here's a possible solution but i know it was a it's a movie and they were trying to make a point and they did very much but i would like listeners to know mediation is actually a very good solution to the problem that was shown in that movie. Go down that route, actually. So had they gone down that route, I think things could have ended differently. I think this is maybe an unpopular opinion, but I uh, think they might not have gotten divorced. And so, you know, I, I always want to say, you know, the decision to get divorced is a huge decision and should be taken really thoughtfully and carefully and should be a very last resort. Wouldn't you say like something that you know you have exhausted every last possibility before you cut those ties permanently? So absolutely. absolutely. I have to, to say, remember. Yeah. When I litigated, I almost never had a couple reconcile. But since I've been doing mediation primarily, Every year, I have at least a few couples that in the middle of the mediation process call it off because they're going to reconcile. That's healing families in a way. Those people weren't meant to get divorced and they might have without your guidance. You know, I think it goes back to that communication that we were talking about. You know, they get that opportunity with help to sit down, it's not a therapy session mediation, but I, I, the mediator is there to help them have difficult conversations. And sometimes that's what, where the marriage has fallen apart. They've stopped having difficult conversations. And when they start finding new ways to start talking, that's, I've seen them, you know, make the effort to try again. And sometimes it works out. And then sometimes people could divorce more kindly. So either way you're helping 
families, you know, move on to the next transition of their lives, whether that's healing the marriage or beginning a new life as ex-spouses co-raising that child. Either way, it's going to work. It is just as much of a family as the traditional nuclear family. And it's, it's beautiful if done properly. And you have been helping people all across the United States do um, a divorce properly and kindly. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a little bit about where our audience can find you? Yes. So I have my website is divorce in a better way um, because I do think there are better ways to do it. Um, so people can find out about me, about my legal coaching and mediation services there. And then also I have my podcast, Divorce and Beyond. I actually just launched the website for that. It's divorceandbeyondpod.com. And um, they can find it on all, uh, they can find it on the website or any of the major podcast outlets. And, you know, I, I bring on that show a lot of experts who, and we're taught, we talk about various aspects of divorce and life after divorce beyond. Um, But I bring on some wonderful uh, parenting experts and therapists to talk about just these issues. Um, so there's a lot of content on there and curated content on divorce, a better way to help people. That's one of the things that's so beautiful in the world that has definitely changed from when I first started practicing is there is a great deal of very beneficial content out there to help people navigate what is a difficult path. Right. Yeah. Right. That's so powerful. Yes. You're, you're doing such a great job at that. And people in the field now, I think there is, as we've been saying, like kind of a turn into a better direction for everybody. So it's great to have you on and to see you being part of it in such a nice big way. And I encourage all of our listeners to listen to your podcast because as they can hear, you are so well-spoken, so thoughtful and have such really um, important, impactful things to say. So thanks for joining us this morning and I hope you'll come on again. I would love that. And thank you both so much for having me. This was really a wonderful experience. Okay. Thank you again. Bye for now. Bye for now. 